Tagovailoa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Cologne looking for his first hit of the year. Oh. He drives one! Deep left field! That goes Upton! Back near the wall! It's out of here! <laughs> Bartolo has done it! There's only one word that comes to mind. Greatness. What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. Today, we'll be focusing, I say we, it's just me, I will be focusing in on the All-Star game. Um, I guess All-Star festivities would be the correct thing to say, as we're going to look in, uh, I guess the Futures game is in progress, so we won't be looking at the Futures game right now that is on, as I'm recording this, um, but we're going to look at the Home Run Derby. We're going to look at um, maybe who should be starting the All-Star game, some guys that were snubbed, and, you know, some predictions for the overall game. So I'm just going to get right into it. We're going to go – we'll go home run derby first since I guess that's happening first in the week. Um, Eight awesome participants. It's unfortunate we won't see the likes of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis Jr., Um, you know, definitely some transcendent sluggers that opted not to play. But, you know, I think we have a great eight field. So right into it. First matchup is between the one seed. That is uh, Shohei Otani of the Los Angeles Angels. He's sporting 33 home runs, a uh, .421 isolated power, and a .697 slugging percentage. Um, He's going up against the eight seed, Washington's Juan Soto, who has 11 home runs, a uh, .163 isolated power, and a .444 slugging. So... The power numbers between Otani and Soto, I guess I could have clarified, these are their numbers, uh, you know, power-based statistics in 2021. Um, The power numbers between Otani and Soto this year look quite different, but I don't think that necessarily means it's going to be an easy victory for Otani. Um, Soto, he struggled power-wise in 2021, and I think with the expectations of Soto being Ted Williams, he hasn't been Ted Williams this year. Nonetheless, um, slugged 695 in 2020, uh, 2019 last full season, hit 34 home runs, uh, this week against, uh, San Diego. Obviously I was up close watching it, uh, hit two home runs. All that being said though, I think Soto can put up a fight, but Otani's power prowess is just off the charts. He doesn't just hit home runs. He obliterates balls, um, topped out hitting balls, 470 feet. Uh, I believe that was against the Royals at the beginning of the June. And I think his home run against Seattle a couple of days ago also uh, might've broken that. That's just how crazy Otani is. Uh, two transcendent superstars. I think for this event though, the clear advantage goes to Shohei Otani. I think Otani will push past Soto to the second round. So the winner of the one V matchup, Shohei Otani. Moving on to the two versus seven matchup, Texas slugger, Joey Gallo. Um, and all of these stats are um, as of this morning. That's the 11th of June. Uh, so we got Joey Gallo, the two seed from Texas. He has 24 home runs, uh, 283 isolated power, 522 slugging percentage, going up against the seven seed, Colorado's Trevor Story, who has 11 home runs, 196 isolated power, 448 slugging. Uh, and yeah, so this is a matchup of two sluggers. Likely, uh, both of them are traded ahead of the July 30th deadline. I think this one, I don't want to say it's going to be a landslide, but I think Gallo definitely has the upper hand in this matchup. You look at Trevor's story, he's representing the home team here. He's not even an all-star this year. Um, having a down year a little bit, but he slugged uh, above 500 from 2018 to 2020, including two seasons with 30-plus home runs. Uh, there's no doubt that he has that power, no doubt. Um, and as well, he has a home field advantage, although it's kind of hard to measure how large that kind of advantage is. Uh, Story has the goods. It's just on the flip side, Gallo, he had a tough start to the year in the power department, but he's been ridiculous. He had a stretch of 10 games starting uh, the 26th of June where he hit 10 home runs, 10 days, Um just absolutely ridiculous. The, it's kind of crazy this is first derby, considering that it feels like the event was almost made for him. Uh, he's the face of that three true outcome theory. You got the walk, the home run, the strikeout. This event, you're not walking. 
Uh, you're not striking out. I think Gallo is just going to be firing on all cylinders in this event. I, uh, I expect Gallo to move on to the next round. The next matchup, the three versus six, that is Oakland's Matt Olson, who, again, I think both of these guys have hit home runs today, so the numbers are slightly off. But, again, as of this morning, Matt Olson comes in with 21 home runs, I believe 23 now, uh, 269 ISO, 549 slugging percentage against Mancini, the six seed from Baltimore, who has 15 home runs, I believe that's 16 now, 195 isolated power, 449 slugging. So yeah, that's our three versus six matchup. I think uh, let's we got two American League first basemen squaring off against each other. 2021 numbers favor Olsen. That's pretty clear. But it wasn't that long ago, Mancini, back in the last full season, 2019, he hit 35 home runs, while Olsen quietly been one of the best power bats in baseball since his first full season in 2017. And uh, when you look at Olsen, he, you know that he's going to be appreciating hitting at Coors Field with that altitude as opposed to, you know, hitting at Oakland Coliseum, one of the most pitcher-friendly parks in baseball. Um, it's an interesting one. You got lefty versus righty. I know it doesn't really make a – they're not hitting at the same time, but just an interesting thing to look at. The numbers this year, again, clearly favor Olsen. But the main thing that I really have to remind myself and I would remind those listening is that these numbers um, are in are, be, are from regular games. So you can kind of gauge when you're watching a guy play how much pure power he has, but that doesn't necessarily always show up in these kind of stats like home runs, um, like isolated power, like slugging, because it's a totally different game. Pitchers are throwing you, you know, you're getting off speed, you're seeing high 90s. In this event, you're getting the balls just right down the middle, nice and easy. Um so it's not as simple as looking at, well, Olsen has the better numbers. Olsen's going to win. And maybe um, maybe I'm just a sucker for a good story. For those who don't know, Trey Mancini uh, missed the 2020 season. He battled colon cancer. Uh, the fact that he's back playing good baseball, I'm, I'm going to take the underdog. I took the favorites in the first two, the one and two seed. Um, I think Matt Olsen is phenomenal, I think that he's a very legitimate candidate to win this. And maybe I'm just picking with my heart here, but I am going to take the underdog, the sixth seed, Trey Mancini, to advance to the next round. That brings us to our last matchup of the first round. That's the four seed, Kansas City, Salvador Perez. He comes in with 21 home runs, 226 isolated power, uh, 501 slugging against the defending champ. Remember, we didn't have a derby in 2020, but back to 2019, that's polar bear Pete Alonzo uh, of the New York Mets. 17 home runs, 231 isolated power, and a 485 slugging. Uh, and I'll, I'll cut to the chase here. No disrespect to Salvador Perez. I'm all on the polar bear Pete train in this matchup. Uh, Perez, he's been one of the best power hitters, not just among catchers, but among all of baseball over these past two seasons, but my concern lies within his track record. He'd never hit more than he, or rather he has never hit more than 27 home runs in a single year. Uh, and that's not to dismiss Salvi's power stroke. What he's doing right now, it's legit. Um, don't mean to dismiss that power. He clearly has it, but I want to be cognizant of those previous marks. Cause when you're looking at something so, uh, subjective is the home run derby like i said what do we know that the power numbers during a regular season correlate to the home run derby there's probably someone out there that has figured out some kind of correlation i'm not that guy uh but without he doesn't have the track record there and more than me disliking perez pete alonzo i already mentioned it i want to mention it a couple times defending home run derby champion and he is a bona fide crusher of baseballs. He smacked 53 home runs. That's the rookie record in 2019. Um, even though his home run numbers, his power numbers, haven't been you know, out of this world in the 2020 season and thus far in 2021, I mean, I think that it speaks more to how incredible his 2019 season was than him not being a power hitter in 2020 and 2021. So I think the combination of Pete's pure power and experience in the event make him the heavy favorite in this matchup, despite actually being the lower seed, the five seed. So I am taking Pete Alonzo to move on to the second round. 
And now moving on to round two, our round two matchups. We got the one seed, the favorite, the MLB leader in home runs thus far, uh, Shohei Otani. Again, to restate the numbers, 33 home runs, 421 isolated power, 697 slugging percentage. Against the five seed, Pete Alonzo, Polar Bear Pete. I mean, if we had a marker for how many times I'm going to say Polar Bear Pete, uh, 17 home runs, 231 ISO, 485 slugging. And really, what a treat to have this kind of matchup in round two between the current home run leader and the 2019 champ defending Derby champ. Uh, a lot of home runs these guys hit, and I think obviously home runs are given in this event, but this matchup I think is going to feature some balls that will travel near or above 500 feet. It's just that's the kind of raw power that these guys have. Um, it's hard to identify points of advantage really for either of these sluggers. Uh, Shohei, the left-handed uh, batter, Pete Alonso from the right side. Uh, if you if we really want to pick anything out, I guess you could look at Otani, the workload that he takes on a day-by-day basis. I know that uh, reports have came out recently that he doesn't take batting practice before games, which is ridiculous. Um, but that's not to say, you know, hitting every day while also maintaining his pitching uh, routine it's a lot, and maybe this is just kind of making something out of nothing. But he's also participating in the All-Star game the day after. Uh, Pete Alonso's not, in which Otani is going to be hitting and allegedly pitching. So I think if nothing else, I I guess you could look at Alonso as the more fresh bat. Um, doesn't have as much on his plate, so if, I think, I don't know. I think maybe I'm, maybe I really am making something out of nothing. Otani is ridiculous. When you look hear these numbers, it's his isolated power at 421, which basically, for those who don't understand isolated power, um, it basically it quantifies doubles, triples, home runs. Like I, I don't want to miss explain it, but basically, if you get hit one double in a game, you go one for five with a double, um, or if you go two for five with a double and a single, uh, you still have the same isolated power because it's all about the extra bases. Um, if you want to learn more about isolated power and some of those stats with a better explanation, um, I'd suggest going to fan graphs there, uh, glossary. But basic explanation, Otani, out of this world, he's OPSing I, I'm above, I, I think slightly above 1,000. So it's not to dismiss what Otani's doing. I think in the end, this really is a coin flip as to who will be victorious in this matchup, as is basically this entire event. That's kind of the nature of it. Uh, I wouldn't blame someone for taking Shohei in this one, but I'm taking Pete Alonso moving on to the final round, trying to defend his title. Then we got the other matchup, the two versus six. Uh, Joey Gallo of Texas, 24 home runs, 283 ISO, 522 slugging, versus the six seed, Trey Mancini pulled off the upset, um, over Matt Olson in the first round, 15, 16, actually, home runs, 195 ISO, 449 slugging. The name value of this one definitely doesn't live up to the Otani versus Alonso matchup, but I think it should still be action-packed. Uh, after upsetting number three, Matt Olson, I have a little, I've li- I, rather, I have little doubt that Mancini can blast him with Gallo. It's a matter of consistency. And really, this gets into one of those moments where I don't have the kind of numbers to back this up, but Gallo, I I think is going to be able to churn out Homer after Homer without exuding too much energy. I think he's going to be able to, you know, have that consistent power stroke, keep up with stamina wise. And I think, I think Mancini, it's very possible that he advances here, but this event just seems perfect for Joey Gallo. The guy absolutely rockets home runs. The one thing you can look at, is for Gallo, I guess he probably wants to hit more line drive home runs as opposed to some of his towering shots. At least you don't want to hit every single one towering in the sense that you lose some time. But I think that's really, that's very specific and very specific and arguable. I like Gallo um, for this unconfirmed and theoretical stamina and consistency. That does it for me. But I, I don't don't sleep on Mancini. I think if Mancini can get out of the first round, there's no reason he can't get out of the second round as well. Um, and I think 
really anyone except maybe fans of the team of the player that Mancini is matched up against, like Oakland in the first round or Texas in this hypothetical second round, you're going to be rooting for Trey Mancini. It'd be absolutely awesome for him to win. Uh, but I got Joey Gallo moving on. And that sets up the finals. That is between Joey Gallo. We talked about him. 24 home runs, 283 ISO, 522 slugging versus the number five seed, Pete Alonzo, upset number one, Otani. You know, Pete is probably worthy of greater than his five seed, and to call it an upset isn't entirely fair to Pete. But in terms of seeding, it's an upset. Um, we're left with, you know, Two prolific power hitters. Who would have guessed it? You got the American League lefty in Joey Gallo, although that is subject to change at the deadline, versus the National League righty in Alonzo. And you can look at the career home runs, career ISO, career slug, whatever metrics that you you know you'd like to come up with to come to some sort of conclusion in this matchup. But I mean, I it's there's nothing. You can look at it however you want. If you want Gallo to win, you can find the numbers to support Gallo, say this so-and-so, so-and-so, Gallo, so-and-so, so-and-so, Alonzo. You look at their season numbers, um, Gallo is statistically ahead in home runs, statistically ahead in ISO, statistically ahead in slugging. But you also, so you can say, if you want to mark one for Gallo and that, you can point to that, well, Pete Alonzo has competed in this. He's the reigning champ. So it's really a coin flip. I guess for me, if nothing else, I'm partial to left-handers. I'm a lefty. Um, and I think it'd be cool to see a new champion. That's not to um, hate on Pete Alonso by any means. But I don't know. I think it's more fun, more parody. So I think I'm thinking about it. Like, nah. I'm going to stick with what I put, and that is Joey Gallo as the 2021 uh I don't know what they officially call it, but the 2021 MLB home run derby champion. Um, you know, he'll, I think he'll win it as a Texas Ranger. I think maybe the week after he might not be a Texas Ranger, but that is my breakdown of the home run derby. And mostly I think it's going to be fun missing out on it last year when the year before was one of the better derbies. I think, I mean, I don't want to say ever, because I have not been on this planet to really judge about ever. But uh, the show that Vlad put on, the show that Jock Peterson put on, uh, obviously the winner, Pete Alonzo. Home run derbies are fun. All-star events are fun. So I'm glad to have it. And, you know, I wouldn't take anything that I said uh, and really do anything with it other than maybe digest it and call me out when I'm wrong. I wouldn't put any bets on any of these people. But it's fun, you know. Uh, sports are made to make bad predictions. I think that's a great way of looking at it. Moving past uh, the home run derby, which also, for what it's worth, I'm recording this on Sunday, if I haven't made that clear. Uh, Futures game is right now. Had I been on time and recorded this on Saturday or even Friday, um, I would have included my breakdown of prospects to watch in the Futures game. Alas, we are past that point where it would be obsolete. But let's look at the game itself, the all-star game. Uh, the first question that I'm looking at, which as far as I know, at 447 uh, Eastern time on this Sunday afternoon, I have not seen the official, or I haven't seen official announcements of who will be starting the all-star game. So I want to look at, uh, you know, some candidates on the all-star team, some starters, um, and who I would pick to be the starters. So we can start off in the American League which overall you'll see in hearing these numbers is a much weaker field of starting pitchers as opposed to the National League. Not to, you know, dismiss them, still phenomenal pitchers in their own right, but maybe not as many jaw-dropping candidates. Um, so first off, we have, and these stats are as of yesterday, that's Saturday morning. So we'll talk about some people that maybe their numbers are slightly different. Like I can, I guess I can pull it up on fan graphs right now, but who might have uh, slightly different numbers today than they did yesterday. Uh, the first guy looking at Lance Lynn of the uh, Chicago White Sox, the former Texas Ranger, 
He's been absolutely phenomenal this year with a 1.99 ERA, uh, 2.81 expected ERA, and a 3.21 FIP. He's done it all. He's been their bona fide guy. Um, he's done it. I can, let's see, can I get an inning, inning logs on this? 90.2 innings. He's been a stud, but I think that was maybe not a two ERA was expected of him, but he was expected to be a front of the rotation guy. I think someone that Chicago might not have expected to be quite the front of the rotation guy is left-hander Carlos Rodon, who sports a 2.31 ERA, uh, 2.56 expected ERA, and a 2.36 FIP. So Rodon trails Lynn in ERA, but has the advantage in expected ERA and FIP. So, you know, regardless of which one you'd prefer, obviously, as a fan, you look at it as a, well, Lynn has the lower ERA. As a fan of the White Sox, I'm all I'm focused on is lower earned runs. You can, you know, there's an argument for Lynn. Rodon, the peripheral, slightly better. Both of them fantastic in their own right. I think both very viable candidates uh, to start this game. You also got, an, or I guess I didn't, I also didn't mention it was 89 innings for Rodon that he has pitched. Uh, next guy, you got Kyle Gibson, who let me make sure. I don't think he pitched yesterday. I believe it was Fultonavich. Uh, he has a 2.29 ERA, uh, 3.29 expected ERA, and a 3.47 FIP, which let me make sure. I, I really don't think he pitched. Let me look at fan graphs. Let's sort this by American League. Love fan graphs. Don't have a subscription, but use it like I do. Uh, Gibson. No, it does not look like he pitched yesterday. He's done that in 102 innings. Uh, obviously, with Texas, not a great team, not super flashy. But look, the guy has the numbers. I mean, a 2.29 ERA. The X ERA is a run higher in the FIP, uh, 3.47. So maybe signs of a little bit of regression. But it, the guy's been balling out. Definitely has a legitimate case to start the All-Star game. Uh, next guy you got, which this is the man that I need to make sure I have uh, his, his numbers up on fan graphs because these are different than yesterday. But Garrett Cole. Going into yes or going into his start yesterday, he had a 2.91 ERA, a 2.74 X ERA, and a 3.06 FIP. Since then, uh, his ERA has went down to 2.68 X ERA of 2.74 and his FIP of 2.91 after his nine inning complete game shutout master class against the Houston Astros. So the numbers are better. Um, and when you look at it, um, I guess if you stack it up, he is that his XERA would be good for second, his ERA fourth thus far, and his FIP net under 2.91 would be also be second. Um, so I think Garrett Cole, there is a legitimate argument for him. He's the big face guy. And for, I guess I didn't mention 18 starts, 114 innings. He's the big name guy. Um, got the big contract. He's on the big name team, the Yankees, although, you know, they're not doing as stellar as they'd want. I understand the argument for Garrett Cole, but I think, I don't think he's the best candidate, not necessarily entirely because of his overall numbers, which are super stellar. And last night, I think, put to bed a lot of people's criticisms of him because of uh, his involvement, his use of spider tack. But with that being said, I don't think it would be – I don't think he's the best candidate to start because of a couple of those blow-up starts since the spider tack ban. I just think, you know, if you want to look at it from an optics perspective, I think I wouldn't call spy, using spider tack cheating considering that everyone used it. But do you want to start that guy – who was seen at the face of it, got that big money contract, had a couple of those blow-up starts um, without the spider tech. I don't know. That's not to say Garrett Cole, he's incredible, I think. He's probably the second-best pitcher behind Jacob deGrom um, in the grand scheme of things. He's not who I would start, though, although very viable candidate would not blame someone for him being their pick. And then we have a fifth guy who, truthfully, is not here because of his incredible 
pitching numbers, which he's been good. And I think his numbers are quite skewed by one particular outing against uh, Garrett Cole's Yankees. And I'm talking about Shohei Otani. So we know, or at least it sounds like Otani will be pitching um, the, the capacity in which he's will be pitching. Um, they've decided amongst uh, Joe Madden, Shohei Otani, and it's uh, Kevin Cash, Kevin Cash, the manager for the American League. Uh, looking at Otani's numbers, he has a 3.49 ERA, 3.67 expected ERA, and a 3.58 FIP. All those numbers, um, not bad by any means, but not exactly, uh, not exactly all-star worthy. Well, I take the back. All-star worthy, considering that I think the ballots were mailed in prior to his blow-up start in New York, and even with that, when you think about his offensive output, the fact that he's hitting and pitching great numbers deserves to be in this all-star game, a 100% as a hitter and totally defensible as a pitcher as well. But should he be starting the game? I just, I don't think so. I think you start him at DH and you put him into pitch later because he's been phenomenal and doing what he's doing is incredible, but has he been the best or even, you know, top of the line, top five best starting pitchers in the American league. And the answer is no, even with, he was, you know, Zeri was hovering around two before his blow up start in the Bronx. I just think for all of what Otani does starting at DH going to pitch in some capacity. Um, I'm all for marketing the guy. I think that one of these other guys, uh, is the better option. And so when it comes down to who I think should start the game, I think it comes down to me between the White Sox, Lynn or Rodon. Lynn has the longevity as a player in the big leagues, uh, been around the block, been consistently um, a pretty solid arm, although never quite a two ERA type of pitcher. Uh, And then you got Rodon, who is really just breaking out this year. Um, with it'll remind you, it'll remind you of his number 231 ERA, 2.56 ERA, 236 FIP. So Lynn has lower ERA, Rodon leads in X ERA and FIP. Uh, I think those two super, super close. But then when you do some uh, deeper diving, you look at that Rodon has a 13.05 K per nine. And that is good for second in the big leagues among starting pitchers, only behind some guy named DeGrom from Queens. So I think if I had to pick who is the most worthy starter, and I don't think I would have ever imagined saying this at the beginning of the year, uh, my answer is Carlos Rodon, left-handed pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Will it be him? I honestly probably don't think so just because of the name value, I, my guess is uh, probably Lynn or even Garrett Cole and or Otani may be more likely. Uh, but if I were the manager, I'm looking at those numbers. I think that he's the most deserving, Carlos Rodon. Uh, so that was the American League. Looking at the National League now. National League has a lot more overall candidates, although a bunch of them unavailable because um, whether it be because they're starting Sunday doesn't line them up to be able to pitch or whether it be because of injuries or opting out. Um, I was able to narrow it down to four main guys. And that is um, considering specifically Gosman and Woodruff will be unavailable because they are pitching on Sunday. And then you have the likes of you Darvish who was just placed in the 10 day IL So those guys are not going to be starting the game. Uh, Four guys, I'll start off with the rookie from the Miami Marlins. That's Trevor Rogers. He has just been incredible. He started off hot. People probably, including myself, assumed that he'd cool down or maybe that uh, something had to do with luck. Not really. The guy's pitching to a 2.22 ERA, 2.98 X ERA, and a 2.50 FIP. So you look at the ERA and then you look at the expected ERA and the FIP. It's not luck. He has not been lucky by any means. He's pitching 
his his ERA is indicative of the kind of pitcher he's been this year, and I think that's incredible. You got a lot of uh, good young pitchers uh, in Miami. Unfortunately, Sixto Sanchez done for the year, but you got Sandy Alcantara, you got Pablo Lopez, uh, Trevor Rogers. He's been awesome, and if his name, you know, was I don't want to say if his name was Jacob Degrom, but if he, you know, was a bigger name all around, or if his team was contending, I think a lot more people would really be talking about Trevor Rogers. I think he's a guy that needs to be talked about more. I believe, I believe he was my pick for uh, all underrated team in the article I wrote recently. If you haven't seen that, check it out. Uh, but he's doing damage in South Beach. Next guy that I was looking at is actually a replacement. Um, was not on the original roster. Um, I actually have him noted to talk about later as well. Might just get that done here. But that's Freddie Peralta for the Brewers. And I got to look at this because he also uh, pitched last night. Uh, but he has going into last night at a 2.23 ERA, 2.56 expected ERA, and a 3.11 uh, FIP. Those numbers have slightly gone up to a 2.44 ERA. Um, I don't know why X series is not listed. Uh, so we'll just go with the 2.56 previously and a 3.27 FIP. So even with those numbers going up a little bit, those are bona fide all-star numbers. And the fact that he didn't make the team initially is kind of ridiculous, actually. But he got added on with the slew of injuries, opt-outs. And I think... I, I think that he's not going to be the starter because he was this add-on. He doesn't have the name brand value. But Freddie Peralta, he's been as good as the next guy in the big leagues. Uh, and that's in an already great Milwaukee rotation with that one-two of Woodruff and Corbin Burns, who we'll get to in a second. Uh, Freddie Peralta, absolutely stud league. Just glad he got added to the roster, if nothing else. Don't think he's going to be the starter, but there's definitely an, a viable argument that he could be. Uh, next, we have Zach Wheeler of the Philadelphia Phillies. He has just been an absolute monster this year for a fairly mediocre Phillies team that has had pitching woes in general. He's been locked down. You know what you're getting from that guy. He's 2.26 ERA, uh, 2.34 X ERA, and a 2.26 FIP. Those numbers are ridiculous. He... Um, that's third among the three that we've talked about, Rogers, Peralta, Wheeler. Or actually, I stand corrected. Uh, that's second since Peralta's ERA uh, skied up a little bit yesterday, uh, only trailing Rogers in ERA, but that's the lowest X area of these three and the lowest uh, FIP. Wheeler been absolutely dominant. This is the guy that, uh, you know, they expected when they gave him that big contract to lure him away from the Mets. He's a very viable candidate. Uh, I think, I mean, I feel like I'm saying this with all these guys. There's a reason they're all-stars. They, I, I think they're totally a fair pick, but I, I don't know necessarily if they're going to be that guy. But Zach Wheeler, I think it's definitely sustainable. The guy throws 97, strikes out a ton, doesn't walk at an egregious rate. He's, uh, he's awesome, and I think it'd be very deserving if he started. But then we got the fourth guy who I guess, spoiler, would be my pick to start. Despite being three out of four of these four mentioned pitchers in ERA, it's Corbin Burns, 2.36 ERA, 1.68 X ERA, and a 1.38 FIP. That is ridiculous. He has pitched to a 2-3 ERA, and these numbers say, you know, it's not as simple as saying that he's It'd be naive to say that these numbers merely mean that he's been unlucky. There's a lot more to these numbers. You shouldn't just see it as a measure of that. But his XERA and his FIP are lower than his ERA when he has a 2-3. That means that this guy has been even better than his ERA indicates. It means that if everything, you know, if what was expected, he'd have an even lower ERA. His ERA would be 1.68. That doesn't, you know, that's still a decent ways above DeGrom, who's sporting the nice 1.08 ERA. But Burns, those underlying numbers just tell you how absolutely dominant he's been. And let me see. I don't know. Um, Burns. Let's – Corbin 
Looks like he might not actually be qualified in innings. So let's look it up. Uh, but Burns has been absolutely ridiculous. It's And it's really crazy the jump he's taken. He was great last year. Uh, and to continue that, I think Milwaukee's definitely a team that I would not want to see in the postseason with that rotation. And let's see. Yeah, he's thrown 87.2 innings, uh, two, three, six. It's It's ridiculous. He's striking out. 13.14 per nine innings really doesn't walk an incredible amount of guys. 1.54. And he doesn't give up home runs. He has a 0.31 home run. Let's look of, this is of pitchers with 80 innings pitched in the national league. Um, We got to filter it the other way and yeah, lowest by a decent margin, which I guess, this also, the next two would be Trevor Rogers and Zach Wheeler, who we're discussing. Uh, my point being, Corbin Burns has been ridiculous, and he doesn't have the lowest DRA. But Corbin Burns would be my pick to start the All-Star game. I think for this team, there are a lot of other options, too. You got Max Scherzer, who uh, Dave Roberts, the manager this year, alluded to the fact that Dave Martinez, uh, the Nationals manager who would have managed last year, didn't get the opportunity to start his guy Scherzer in what was a non-existent all-star game, uh, as well as Walker Buehler, who was also an add-on, uh, a Dodger, obviously. I think there could be – we could see Dave Roberts go to his uh, – his plays his usual player, I guess, would be the way to describe that. Uh, I don't know if those guys are necessarily the – best options i think those are viable and I, I my guess would be a guess the pool i think would consist of either bueller scherzer wheeler and burns because I, I think peralta has been good but probably not good enough with that name value and trevor rogers has been phenomenal but i think he'll be out of the bullpen uh and it's super unfortunate gosman and woodruff i think uh if they were available would be another question because i think that Kevin Gossman, I don't, I didn't write his numbers down the same way I did these other guys because he's not available, but he's probably been the second best pitcher behind Jacob DeGrom. His ERA sub, sub two, his X ERA 2.7, his FIP 2.62. So not, doesn't have the burns effect where it's lower, but he's been dominant. And then you got Woodruff 210 ERA, 2.53 X ERA, 2.74 FIP. Uh, Unfortunate the way that uh, their turns worked, but it is what it is. So I guess if I had to, if I were the manager for the American League and the National League, both of them, uh, for the American League, I'll be trotting out Carlos Rodon, left-hander for the Chicago White Sox. And if I were on the flip side for the National League, my pick would be Corbin Burns, right-handed pitcher for the Brewers. So those are who I think should be starting the game. And uh, I think we'll move on to some guys that maybe aren't in the game that should be in the game, some snubs. And mind you, this list was created prior to – what am I thinking of? Prior to all of the replacements being announced for guys like DeGrom, guys like Yu Darvish – Etc. But start. I I picked. Let's see. I got. I did pitchers in the NL, hitter in the NL, pitchers in the AL, hitters in the AL. So I got about kind of four groups. And I'll start off since we were just talking about the NL starting pitchers. The fact that Freddie Peralta wasn't a, uh, wasn't initially an All Star is ridiculous. And same with Max Scherzer. Um, and it's hard because. I understand the way that this kind of shakes out. It's a combination of players voting, which doesn't necessarily come down to the perfectly best stats, and also that not necessarily put in the day before that the rosters are announced because these numbers can obviously fluctuate. And then having guys like, no disrespect to Herman Marquez, who I forgot about him, he could start considering it is in Colorado, but probably not an all-star if, Colorado doesn't need that representative. So Freddie Peralta, Max Scherzer. Scherzer, I didn't say his numbers when I was talking about it, but a 266 ERA, 287 expected ERA, and a 3.32 uh, FIP. I believe the like win 
the rosters were announced, Scherzer had an area at 2.10, which he did miss some time with injury. But the fact that those guys were left off, it's uh, crazy. Crazy to me. And then lineup-wise, this is another guy that both those guys were added. This is another guy who was added last night, which makes a lot of this feel a lot you know, less valuable because these guys were snubbed than not snubbed. Uh, it's Omar Narvaez, and you could talk about Manny Machado, who was also added last night, um, who was deserving. But when you look at the positional of it, uh, Omar Narvaez was a ridiculous snub. I think Omar Narvaez had a better argument to be the starting catcher in the National League than he did of not making the team. That's just how good he's been. Uh, This is, again, numbers fluctuate, especially hitters. But um, as I have it written down, hitting 301 uh, on base of 397, slugging 471, that's good for a 137 WRC plus. For a catcher, that's absolutely incredible. And since fan graphs, I got to edit the qualifications uh, to find the exact numbers. He's been a good defensive catcher. So it's not, there's no argument to be had. Well, you know, he's atrocious behind the plate, which for what it's worth, those offensive numbers, I don't care what you really do behind the plate. But Narvaez, he's graded out as one of the better defensive catchers. So Fangraphs doesn't want to pull up the exact numbers. Um, But Narvaez has been incredible. And for Yadier Molina to briefly be the replacement for him is ridiculous. That was awful. And I'm glad that uh, Yadier bowed out and they're giving it to Narvaez. And I'm looking at this... I don't know why. Weird. Gotta edit it for catcher. Because I, I want to make this point of that Narvaez has been incredible defensively. And that is, I put the qualifications. Okay. I put the qualifications a little too high, it looks like. Um, sorry for this awkward pause. That's, what's hap- that's what happens when I don't have someone with me is it's kind of, there's some of this pausing and stuff. But if you look at um, frame rate on fan graphs, number one, Sean Murphy, number two, Mike Zanino, number three, Jose Trevino, you get down to it. Omar Narvaez is number six. He's been great uh, with four, 4.0. Defensive run saved is an interesting metric for uh, catchers, but two DRS. The guy has, there's no reason that he should not have been on the all-star team, I, his uh, the numbers better than brief replacement Yadier Molina, better than that of who, who is it? JT Realmuto, better than Will Smith, who people are claiming was also snubbed. Um, Omar Narvaez, thank God he made it, uh, deserved it. And now moving on to the American League, the fir- both of these guys actually didn't make it. Those three guys all ended up getting added in. Uh, the first one I have is Tyler Glass. Now he is injured, so he wouldn't be added on later, obviously. Um, but the guy, what he's done this year is worthy of an all-star or not. 2.66 ERA, 2.72 X ERA, 2.78 FIP. If he was healthy, I would have been talking about him as a candidate to start the game. He's ridiculous. He's massive guy. He's throwing, you know, high nineties, touching a hundred. Um, and just, it was absolutely balling out. I don't care that he's hurt. You put him on the team. He's obviously not going to pitch, but it doesn't hurt anyone. It doesn't, you know, take away from everyone else to say Tyler Glass now has been incredible. He is an all-star put him on the team. Um, hoping for a speedy recovery. Love Tyler Glass now. And then the other one is uh, his teammate, Chris Bassett, was added as as an additional pitcher when they made their rounds yesterday of replacements. Uh, But I actually think that it should have been Sean Manaya. And I I don't know if he started yesterday. Uh, So if the numbers are wrong, excuse me. But Manaya, 3.19 ERA, 3.74 X ERA, 3.35 FIP. I mean, those numbers, I mean, I can pull up Chris Bassett's. I think those are better than Chris Bassett's and uh, better than or rival that of Nate Eovaldi for the Red Sox. 
So I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. Three, four, one ERA for uh, for Bassett, which is that's higher than uh, Manaya. He's a lower XERA and a slightly lower FIP. So okay, maybe not better than Bassett. That's not to. It wasn't meant to put down Bassett, but Sean Manaya has been awesome. And let me, I, for sake of reference, let's look at Nathan Ivaldi, um, who was put on the team immediately 366 ERA 364 XERA 261 FIP I mean I don't know like I think that being on the team immediately and Manaya, who better ERA um similar XERA um crazy FIP for Nady Evaldi good for him I don't know I think I think Manaya definitely has a fair argument to be on this team or at least be an addition. And then you look at the hitters of the American League. I think this is this spot probably had the least amount of snubs. I looked at, I singled out specifically Yuli Gurriel. And that's not to say that I think there was a great spot to put him in as Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Jared Walsh, Maddles, and those three have been ridiculous, but Yuli Gurriel just kind of got screwed over by how incredible first base has been because he's hitting 314, 380, 4, 478, slugging with a 138 WRC plus. Uh, I think those numbers in general are all-star numbers. He just gets a little screwed over by how strong first base is, uh, as well as some other guys for the A's. You got Mark Canna and Ramon Laureano having great years. Yohan uh, Moncada, his teammate, Tim Anderson, was a late addition, but not him. A lot of talented guys. Um, I also, going back to the National League, I referenced Manny Machado. He got added, um, which is good. But it's just kind of how it shakes out. It's weird because mid-year, um, you know, halfway through, the numbers are going to be a lot different than how it closes. And even when you have to have a representative from every team, that's not to, you know, I like the idea. I was talking about it earlier with someone. I think it's good. You know, if you're a Detroit Tigers fan, you're not going to be incentivized to, to watch the game or be interested if you don't have an all-star. You don't really have any excitement about it. But you have a guy, Gregory Soto. Gregory Soto's been good. Um, I don't think he's an all-star if he's on, you know, the Atlanta Braves. But he's been good. It draws people in. I get it. But it's just – it muddies it up, so it's not always the perfect best product. Uh, but that's just kind of the nature of all-star games. It's how it it's how it is, and you live with it. So those are we went over who should start the game. We got Rodon versus Burns. We got some snubs, some of who got in, some of who are uh, left at home. Let's just get into some predictions about the game itself. Uh, hard to predict, you know. I don't want to go too into detail, but I have a couple bullet points of things. Uh, that I think will happen starting off with uh, not Vlad jr. But it's another uh, slugger for Toronto, Buffalo, whatever you, the blue Jays uh, who's also in the starting lineup, probably, I don't want to say the least deserving. Cause that's, I don't have the numbers with me and that's not to discredit what task Hernandez has done, but I got to ask Hernandez hitting the moonshot into course field, hitting a big home run. And then on the flip side, uh, I got both Reds, Sluggers, Castellanos, and Winker hitting home runs, I think. Um, I don't know if they'll be positioned back-to-back like they are in the Reds lineup, but I think both of them go deep, take advantage of a you know weaker pitching side um, for the American League. And then I got – this is kind of an obscure one, which is very random and very prone to not being right – but, you know, there's always some web gens defensively. You got a lot of really talented guys out there. Um, and I got a National League reserve making the play of the night. That's Jake Cronenworth, a little bit of – maybe a little bit of Padre bias, a little bit of Padre love. But how can you not love the guy? He makes play after play. So he's going to be the one to make the play of the night, a diving catch to rob a base hit for the American League. That's one of the predictions I'll throw in there. And then I got Freddie Freeman. You know, may, a lot of people, including me, although I don't like the Dodgers, uh, can agree that Max Muncy has the better statistics over Freddie Freeman, despite Freddie Freeman getting the starting nod. 
but I think Freddie, Freddie doesn't care. Freddie just balls out. Um, I think he's going to have a multi-hit night, couple RBIs. I think he is going to be the all-star game MVP. And if he's the MVP, that means I have the National League winning. I have him winning seven to four. Matt Scherzer as the winning pitcher. Craig Kimbrell saving the game. That sounds kind of wrong. Getting the save. National League seven to four win. Uh, and National League's first win since 2012. It feels like for a while, um, it doesn't feel like the American League has dominated for a while. But I think the way that the pitching shakes out, I think the National League has a big uh, hand up, even without, you know, DeGrom, Woodruff, Burns, or not Burns, Woodruff, Gosman. And I think, I, th- I mean, the main thing that I think is that most of this is just kind of saying things. There's so much that you can really predict about an all-star game, the culmination of, you know, different guys from all 30 teams. But yeah, that's what I got. To sum it all up in a couple words, I got uh, I got Joey Gallo defeating Pete Alonso in the home run derby. I have Carlos Rodon and Corbin Burns starting the all-star game. I think some of the biggest snubs uh, were... Freddie Peralta added on, Omar Narvaez added on, Tyler Glasnow, Sean Manaya, Yuli Gurriel. All-star predictions, bunch of home runs, Freddie Freeman, all-star game MVP, National League winning 7-4, to four, their first win since 2012. And that about covers it, ladies and gentlemen. Um, if you're still here tuning in, thank you for listening. First podcast I've put out. Uh, in a little bit, but you know, things can be busy. Uh, in terms of the blog, I will be posting by the time you're listening to this, it's probably already posted the written version of my home run derby predictions. Uh, I urge you to, you know, if you're listening to this, you've clearly listened to this whole podcast. I would also encourage you to go to the blog, read that breakdown and expect a lot more getting closer to college football season. Um, you know, getting, getting all back into the swing of things. So that'll just about conclude this episode. Uh, all the links will be in the description, redshirt.blog uh, or the redshirt.wixsite.com, depending on how the server's feeling. Uh, Instagram at the.redshirt. That's where I'm posting uh, every time there's a new blog, new podcast. Same for the Twitter, which is at the redshirt blog. Uh, trying to tweet there as much as I can. And that'll do it. Hope everyone enjoys this all-star break and all the festivities that come with you. I'll see you next time.